up probably one of the most uh, recognizable stories. Uh, and, and when I say the name, there's a song that will come to your mind. Uh, I'm going to talk to you just for a few moments about Zacchaeus. Now, all of you just started thinking that's been in Sunday school, in part of your life. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could. Did y'all not go to the same Sunday school I went to? Come on, we know this song, right? To see what he could see, to see what he could see, to see what he could see. I don't know how y'all went there, but our variation was he climbed up in a sycamore tree to see what he could see. Yeah, is that pretty much what y'all had? Yeah. I know some people, they change words to songs. But, but yeah, Zacchaeus was a, was a small man, and, and uh, he was a chief tax collector in Jericho. And Zacchaeus was a very wealthy man, and, and when Jesus entered into, into Jericho, Zacchaeus wanted to see him, but because of his, the Bible says, little stature, and the size of the crowd, he couldn't see Jesus. I'll tell you, sometimes it is hard for some people to find Jesus because of those that are already crowded around them that are preoccupied with their own needs. Let me explain that. Sometimes people come into this place and they are looking for something. They're searching for something. They're desperate for something. But sometimes we get so preoccupied with ourselves and what we need. Now, I'm not telling you, I'm not minimizing what you need from God and when you come into this place. But sometimes we get caught up so much in ourselves and what's going on around us and what we feel about somebody else across the aisle or, or what we think about somebody over here or, or what they're wearing or what they're doing that we forget about the need that could be sitting right next to us. Amen? Come on, somebody. But Zach wanted to know Jesus. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, so he climbed up in a sycamore tree. And Jesus was walking, and he stopped under that tree, and he called him down. And Luke tells us that when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down here immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once, and he welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner Mm, can you imagine the Facebook post that went out that day? Y'all never going to believe this. I got a picture. Jesus going with the sinner. Oh, my goodness. Jesus went to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus was so touched by this. Verse 8 says, he stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now. I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. I want to point out to you the sign. This was a sign of his sincere interest in Jesus. I believe that spiritual hunger and thirst must be mixed with a demonstrable sincerity of outflow. Faith and works. We have faith, but sometimes we always work it. We don't always put it to the test. We can say, I got faith that you're going to be healed. Okay, then pray that and believe it. I got faith that God's going to bless me. Okay, put your money where your mouth is and prove it. God said, prove me. When it comes to offering, we talked about that last week. God said, prove me. 
So I relay this story this morning because here it is that Jesus so clearly stated this purpose. This is why Jesus went to go be with the sinner, the guest of the sinner. He said to him in verse 9, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Are you thankful for that today? The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That is the heartbeat of God. Every soul counts. If you were here today and you did not know that, and you thought it was only the Christians that matter, surprise, surprise, surprise. Every soul counts. But modern churchianity, not Christianity, but churchianity, has become consumed with how to prosper. Everywhere that you turn, there are preachers that are preaching, if you want to be blessed today, you need to sow your seed. I told you this last week. And I'm going to send you a vial of this holy water. If y'all, if that's what it takes to get you to give, I'll go get some vials and we'll go right over here and we'll fill you up some water. I'll even go to the baptismal tank and fill you up some water and pray over it if that's what you need. But everybody is out there with gimmicks and different things to say, hey, if you give and you give and you give, God wants to bless you. God wants to make you prosper. Yes, God wants to do that, but we can't get hung up on that. Well, pastor, you're, you're talking about giving today and, and blessings. Yes, that's true, but Mark, the, Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, for what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world but lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And then the book of Revelation speaks of the last day church system that they had wealth, but they had no spiritual truth. Revelations 3 and 15, Jesus said, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold or hot. I wish you were either one or the other. Pick one, either be cold or be hot. You know, some food is really good, either hot or cold, either way. But when it's that mid, you know, that lukewarm room temperature, it just ain't that good. SpaghettiOs. Anybody know what I'm talking about? SpaghettiOs out of the can. Anybody ever eat those right out of the can cold? They're not that bad. They're actually okay. They're really good. Some of y'all know. No? Okay. Y'all haven't ever been poor then like me. Come on now. Put them in the microwave. They're good. But when they've been in the microwave and then they just sit on the table for a little while and after your kids are done eating, you go by and you take a bite and go, ugh, ugh, no, thank you. Parents know what I'm talking about in here. But God said, I want you to be one or the other. Pick one. Because you are lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Come on, somebody. SpaghettiOs about to get spit all over the table. You say I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. See, no matter what you have, if you don't have salvation, then you are desolate in this world. The church is about seeking and saving. This is why we turn the lights on every week is so that people can come and receive a blessing. This is why we turn on a live stream every week and we pray that our internet in our area does not go out because we want to send forth the word to people that need the word that are not ready to come into a building yet, that are not ready to come into a sanctuary yet. This is why we invest into quality sound system. I could speak to you like this and some of y'all wouldn't care, but most of y'all in this room would get really up. Pastor, the sound is awful. I could have been really speak to you like this and you'd get really upset. See, we got to put money into things. 
You can't put a price on people hearing the word of God. But our purpose and our reason for all of it is to see the lost found and saved. See, Jesus likened our souls unto two things. Number one, he likened ourselves unto a lost sheep. Luke 15 and 1 says, Now all the tax collectors and sinners, including the non-observant Jews, were coming near to Jesus to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began muttering and complaining, saying, This man accepts and welcomes sinners, and he eats with them. So then he told them this parable. He said, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost, searching until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he gets home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven when one sinner who repents than over the ninety nine that have righteousness, people who have no need of repentance. We are compared to a lost sheep. Jesus isn't worried about all the 99 if you're lost. He's coming to look for you. I'm thankful for that kind of Jesus today. I'm thankful for a Jesus that says, 97, 98, 99, uh, we're missing one. we got to go find him. Rather than a Jesus that says, 97, 98, 99, well, we got 99. That's good enough. No, we should never be happy and settled where we're at in this place. As long as there is an empty seat right next to us, our mission is not finished. And once we fill that empty seat, guess what? We go to two services. And once that's filled, guess what? We go to three services. And after that, guess what? We go to a new building program. Some of y'all thought we were going to say four. Pastor ain't got it in for four services right now. We go on a new building program. We're going to get everybody in that building and then build again and build again. The mission never stops. He also then compared us to a lost coin. Verse 8, what a woman, if she had ten silver coins, each one equal to a day's wages, loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her women friends and neighbors and saying, rejoice with me because I have found the lost coin. That's what the Bible says. I don't know why it was specified on the women. Maybe it was, hey, girl, I found my money. We going shopping. I don't know why it focused on the women, but that's what it said. She said, hey, girl, I got my coin. We going to the market. Guess who's getting a new scarf today? Guess who's getting some new sandals today? I don't know if they, if they had sandals, but. But then God said in the same way, I tell you, that there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And that is, he says this, he goes, that is that changes their inner self the old way of thinking, and they regret the past sin, living the life in a way that proves repentance and seeks God's purpose for their life. There are so many that are lost and are away from us, and we have to go out. Some are right here where we live. We have to go out. The responsibility of this church is both locally and globally. We don't have a responsibility just to our city, but we have a responsibility to the world. And so I ask you today a question. Are you, 
Are you sweeping the area as this woman did? She swept the house looking for this coin. Are you sweeping your area of influence? Are you teaching Bible studies? Are you being a light in this city? We have to assist, though, not just in our city, but outside of our city. We have to assist as well. Some of you will, will say today, well, Pastor, I, I really can't go outside of our city. I, I don't feel comfortable leaving, you know, Michigan. I don't feel comfortable leaving the U.S. And I don't feel comfortable doing this. I remember several years ago, my wife and I, we were invited to go on a missions trip. And, uh, and we didn't know where we were going to go. And the places that they had offered us to go was amazing. This was part of the Apostolic Youth Corps for the United Pentecostal Church. And, uh, and so they had... All over the world, every year, there's about 17 to 20 locations all over the world. North America, Europe, Asia, everywhere, all over the world. And, uh, and I, said, I said, babe, do you want to go? You know, they've asked us to go and chaperone this trip and lead this trip. Yes, I want to go. And, uh, and so we started looking at places that we could go. And the very last place that we chose out of all of these trips was Malaysia. We didn't want to go to Malaysia. I don't, know, I don't know why we didn't want to go there. Maybe because there was an airplane from Malaysia that had just went down, still to this day has never been found. But I didn't want to go to Malaysia. I said, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't, I don't eat Malaysian food. I don't even know what Malaysian food is. I don't speak Malaysian if that's their language. I don't know all this. I don't know all that. And I said, God, send us anywhere but Malaysia. And guess what God did in his great, wonderful world and sense of humor? God sent us to Malaysia. And you know, once we got there, it was the greatest trip that we had ever been on. It was amazing. We absolutely loved it. The food, y'all, oh my goodness, the food. It was, I told y'all, I have a problem with saying it was the best, it was the, everything's the best. It was good. It wasn't the best I ever had, but it was good. I mean, my wife, she makes the best, but that food was good. The people were so kind. They spoke English there. I wasn't lost at all. I wasn't walking around asking, excuse me, where is the story? It was, no, I knew it. It was great. God has a way of moving you here and there. And some of you are in this place saying, I'm never going to go. Oh, no, no, no. Don't say that. God has a way of making it happen. But for some of you that say, well, I want to go, but I can't go. You know what? You can go through your giving. You can go through your prayers. We look at King David. He was so eager to build a house for God, to build a temple. But, but David was told no. He said, all the people, all of his, his wise men around him, his son, even Solomon, they, he said, uh, King David, you're too old. What do you mean I'm too old? I, I'm not too old. Well, maybe you're too young then. Maybe you're too inexperienced. I don't know what you've been told in your life. Either you're too old, you're too young, you're too inexperienced or, 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 or whatnot. But what David realizes, okay, I can't do this physically. I can't do it personally. But you know what? I can help finance it. I can help promote it. And so he said in First Chronicles, he said, I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God. He said, the gold for things to be made gold. I've given the silver for things of silver, the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, and wood for things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, glistening stones and divers colors, and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. Moreover, this is why he did it, because I have set my affection to the house of my God. I have of my own proper good 
of good and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. This was just one of the reasons that David was a man after God's own heart because he cared about what God cared about. You cannot love God without giving to his cause and his purpose. You cannot love God if you don't love your neighbor. Mm. There's a song about that. If you don't love God, then you don't love your neighbor. You got sin about him. You'll never have mercy. It's a bluegrass song. I don't sing a lot of bluegrass. My nose ain't big enough for it. <laughs> I love bluegrass. I love it. Some of y'all in here are like, I love bluegrass. I do too. I just can't sing it all the time. But it says, if you don't love your neighbor, then you don't love God. Some of y'all got issues with your neighbors this morning while you were out there snow blowing and they were snow blowing into your yard. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I had a shared driveway at one time and I went over on that first snowy day and I told my neighbor, I said, hey, listen, uh, I'm, I'm happy. We had, I mean, it was a shared driveway. It wasn't that big. It was literally two car lengths or, or two car widths. And I went over that first morning. I said, hey, I'm going to snow blow my driveway. I'll do yours too. If in fact, and this was there, remember I, I talked about, uh, uh, if y'all watched Wednesday, I talked about filial love and agape love. I was filial loving that day. I said, I will do your driveway if you'll do mine when you do yours. And after that, I said, I just started doing it either way. And the first time he did it, he just blew it right over into my driveway and left me buried in there. And, and I went, I was so angry. And my wife said, hey, remember Beta Satan? I said, oh yeah, Beta Satan, don't get, don't get upset about that. So I went over, I did my driveway. I did it. I turned into an agape love, whether he did or not. I love my neighbor. I love him, I love him, I love him. I don't always have to like him, but I love him. Some of y'all feel that way about some of your family. But the Bible says if you don't love your neighbor, you don't love God. If you don't love your brother, you don't love God. We cannot love without giving. If we love this message, then we need to see and we have to give to see it preached. We have a responsibility to give out to sow into other fields. We cannot afford to get caught into the mindset of the world that, you know what, I, I just got to take everything in and build my kingdom right here. I got to build everything I can right here. You know, I have done plenty of funerals in my life to find out, and I can tell you this, I've never seen a U-Haul being pulled on the back of a hearse. Once you die, you ain't taking it with you. And half the stuff your family don't even want. They said they left us with all this stuff, all this debt, all this clutter, all this. What am I going to do with all this stuff? Give it away. Give it away. Our mission is not to build the kingdom of the lighthouse. We're, we're setting pretty good. We're looking pretty good. Our mission is to give out. We're not to build our kingdom. We are to build his kingdom. Matthew 6 and 20, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What none of us could do alone, all of us can do together. 
A sacrifice must be on the altar before a fire can fall to consume it. Acts 2.38 so wonderfully articulates the spiritual plan of salvation. We know this. Then Peter said unto them, say it with me, repent and be baptized. Come on, everybody say it with me. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That is our spiritual plan of salvation. In contrast, Luke 6 and 36 wondrously articulates the natural plan of living. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For that, with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm thankful. Some of y'all will shout over Acts 2.38, but you, you'll, you'll just say a little amen for Luke 6 and 38. But I'm giving much, as much praise to Luke 6 because, listen, when I give, I know God's about to bless me, not just in my finances, but when I give of my time, when I give of myself, when I give of my presence, when I give, God will bless. This is the spiritual and the natural plan of living and salvation. Natural and spiritual kingdoms both exist and need to be funded. Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things which are Caesar, but unto God the things which are God's. Our earthly governments, we use mandated taxes. You pay or go to jail. It's not how the kingdom operates. I'm thankful for a God that doesn't say, you didn't give enough, you're going to jail. You didn't give enough, you're not going to be blessed this week. You didn't give enough, you're not eating this week. I'm thankful for a God that says, thank you for what you did. Now, I know that's everything you could do. I'm about to give you everything I can do. We look, we look through all, all, of, all of the Bible and we see different times when people gave God blessed. The most common story, the most popular story, the woman with two mites, she gave all that she had. She didn't give the most out of the church, but she gave all that she had. And, and Jesus stood up and said, this woman right here gave more than everybody in this place. Tithes and offerings, it's how it works. It's free will giving. Bring in the tithe that there may be meat in mine house is what God said. But we need to give beyond the local house. I like how Paul told the church of Corinth, in 2 Corinthians, and, I, and I've come to challenge you today, and I've come to challenge this church into a campaign of missions giving like we've never done before. I, I, I tell you, the, the three years that I, this is going into my, my third, I'm kind of November third year, anyway, somewhere in there. But our first year, we gave $15,000 to missions outside of our church. I think that was pretty awesome. Last year, we, we gave 50000 I say we, you and me together, we gave $50,000 to, to paying off the debt of this building, and we are so close to paying it off. We took a big chunk out of that cookie, and it was a big chocolate chunk cookie. We took the big chunks out, and I thank God for that. But I've come to challenge you this year to go above and beyond anything that we have ever done before. And Paul was complimenting the Corinth church here for the great giving in the past. And he even told them, he said, hey, I was bragging on you in Macedonia. They had committed to giving to a mission outside of their own need. So then Paul got to thinking. He said in 2 Corinthians 9 3, I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you in this matter would not prove hollow. 
but that you may be ready as I said you would be. For if any Macedonians come with me and you find yourselves unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident. Oh, man, he put it right to them right there. Then he started giving the rules for giving. We go to verse 6. He said, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And here is why this will work. And God is able to bless you abundantly. That's why it's going to work. So that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You say, well, well I, I, don't, I don't have enough to give. You don't understand. I'm, I'm living on a fixed income. Or, or I've, I've, already, I've got as much going out as, as what's coming in. I don't know how, how I'm going to do this. Givers will always have enough to give. Here's what he says. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I want to share a secret with you today. Are you ready? You cannot outgive God. I will tell you, I have tried. I have tried with everything in me. Our family has tried. And you want to know why? Because giving is a principle of the Spirit. Like the laws of nature, they can work against you. But let me preach to you for a couple rules for giving here. Rule number one, he says, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. For with the same measure that ye meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Listen, we control it. We control how much we are blessed. He said, well, God controls that. God decides what he wants to give, but he only gives when we give. He blesses when we bless. And, and I know it goes around and around and around and around all the time. Well, it's only money. It's only money. No, when you bless God with your efforts, when you bless God with your time, when you bless God with your talents... A lot of talent in this place. When you bless God with your skills, when you bless God. I, I remember last year I was talking to Brother Kyle as he was taking down some of the stuff and uh, the, the, the wind blockers and stuff over there. And I said, Brother Kyle, I appreciate what you're doing. And he said something to me, and, and Brother Runkle has said this to me before too, about the, the tools that they have and the equipment they have and the place to sort. Brother Kyle, what would you tell me? You use your barn for the glory of God. You use your truck for the glory of God. Brother, Brother Runkles told me my ladder is used by the glory of God. My van's used for the glory of God. Why is it? In all things, give thanks. In everything that you find to do, give thanks unto God. Do it unto the Lord. God has blessed these great men. God has blessed many of you. Why is that? Because what you have done, your time, your efforts, your abilities, you have taken that and you have given that unto God and God has blessed you for it. He called giving sowing. God called giving sowing. Money is our seed. You plant seed. 
You keep your motive pure. You have to understand this isn't the stock market we're playing here. You don't give to get. You give to reach the lost. But we know that when we plant an apple seed, we're going to get an apple tree. God designed this planet to give back more than what we gave. Some folks expect a lot, though, from a very small seed. You've got to give. No matter how small that seed is, you've got to give. I remember I was last, last year, I believe it was, I was teaching our kids about giving. And uh, we were up at my parents' church, and they were doing their, their big campaign offering for their building. And, and I, I thank God for them. They, they just sold their building uh, just, a few, uh, just a few days ago. They have sold their building, and now they're getting ready to start construction on their brand-new building. It's amazing what God's doing there. Um, but that service, Jackson and I was there together, and, and, uh, and, and my dad has taken up the offering and, and, uh, and just taken in cards, and people are bringing offering and different things. And, and they were putting the amounts up on the screen as it would change. The amount would go up on the screen. And it was kind of like a telethon. You know, that number just kept rolling. And we're playing and everything. And Jackson comes up. He tugs on my coat. And he says, Dad, he says, I don't know why, but I just feel this, this I don't know, this urge to give today. And I said, buddy, that's awesome. He was, he was 11 at the time. And, uh, and he said, I just feel this urge to give in this offering. I said, okay, buddy, what do you want to give? He goes, I want to give everything that's in my piggy bank. And I knew that that boy had some money in his piggy bank because that dude is stingy when it comes to money. He don't spend that money just all willy-nilly and everything. He's, he knows what he wants and he's saving for it. And then when he gets there, somehow he still cons me into buying it for him. I don't know how he does it, but he's good at it. But he goes, I just want to give everything I got. I said, what, do you, what is that? What do you have on you? He goes, no, everything back home in my piggy bank. I said, Jackson... If I give today what's in your piggy bank, when I get home, I'm taking that out of your piggy bank and I'm putting it in a bank account. He goes, no, Dad. He goes, no, can, can we go home and I'll, I'll send it back to Poppy. I said, all right, we'll do that. How much do you have in your piggy bank? I have $54.23. That's pretty precise. He goes, I know. I count it every day. I said, okay. So he goes up to my dad and he goes, Poppy, I'm going to give my $53.23 or whatever it was. And, and my dad just go, oh, Jackson, you don't have to do that. You know, you're just, you're 11, you're a kid. You don't have to. And I walked, I said, hey, stop robbing him of a blessing. This kid's wanting to give. He's like, you're right, you're right. I, I, okay, church, Jackson's giving that, da, 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 da. And I tell you, that church was so, they were so excited. And so we go home and I said, all right, buddy, empty that piggy bank out. We emptied that piggy bank out. We count, it was $53.23, whatever it was. And so I pulled out my phone. I Apple paid my dad. I said, hey, here's 50, Jackson's da, 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 da. Two days later, Jackson got, Jackson got a check in the mail from his grandmother on the other side of the family, Stephanie's mom, for 50 bucks. Well, he was pretty excited about that. She said, I don't know how I missed this, but this is for your last couple of birthdays. I realize I haven't given you anything, and I didn't send you anything for Christmas, so I'm catching up. So here you go. That was pretty cool. Well, he did some work around the house and made about 10 bucks working around the house doing some stuff. So now he's up to about 60 bucks. So the dude's already profited. My grandfather, my grandfather, his great-grandfather, found out about his giving, said, man, that's awesome. I want to bless him. And he sent him a $25 gift card to one of the to Target or something like that. Now the kid's up another 25 bucks. And I'm sitting here going, okay, God, I gave two. Where's all my blessings coming from? And God spoke to me and he said, did you give everything you had? I said, nope, we're good. I'm, I'm good. 
I zipped up my lip and I sat back down, put my seatbelt on, and I said, all right, God, we're good to go. See, sometimes we got to be careful because we're going to see people getting blessed a little bit more than we're getting blessed. It's not that they're getting more than us. It's different. God's giving them what they can handle. Y'all, I've prayed for a Harley all my life, and God ain't giving me a Harley. You want to know why? I probably can't handle one. So you know what he did this year? He gave me a bicycle. God said, I'll make you ruler over great things when you can conquer little things. I said, oh, okay, cool. But we've got to give, and it shall be given. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. You keep the cycle moving as we give. God gives, and we give back. Rule number two, each man should give what he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Paul wasn't teaching about farming here. Paul was teaching about spiritual living. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. God will multiply your gift back to you so you can give it again. Listen, what we have is not ours to give. It's God giving it to us for us to return back to him. Giving is not one for one. God will multiply your giving. Proverbs 3 and 9, I forgot to give this to them, but it says, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with thy firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. How can I have more if I give it away? How does it work? I don't really know. Pastor, you don't know the answer to that? No, I don't. It's okay when you don't know the answer to something to say, I don't know. I can tell you what I do know is that as I sow out, God sows into me. He wants to involve me in the program. And the best answer I can give you, I don't know if this is the answer, but this is what verse 10 says. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And, though, and through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Each time you give, you are repositioning yourself to receive. I don't mess with yard sales a whole lot. I get in trouble at yard sales. Because if I go to a yard sale and I see something I like, and I go ahead and get it, I don't think twice about the next thing I like. See, hey, I got, hey, yeah, I might as well get that too. I might as well get that too. But my thing is, eventually I'm going to give this away again. Why do I want to spend all this money if I'm just going to give it away? I'm careful about that. But then there are times that I know, you know what? God has blessed me so much. God has given me so much. And I may not have a lot in material things, but God has blessed me so much that it feels good just to give stuff away. It feels good to give it away. I went through yesterday and I went through my books. I had over 700 books in my office. And I wish I had told you I read all of them, but I have not read all of those. But I went through, I know the gist of every book that I had in there. I know kind of the story of, of all of them and the theme of them. But I went through all of those books yesterday and, and I separated them. I had the whole foyer was filled with all of my books. And, uh, and, and in case y'all didn't know this, we have a library here at our church. There's about 700 books. Some of y'all didn't get that. I went through about 700 books yesterday. We have a library now. You know. now we, we've had a library for a little while right over here outside of this hallway there. 
And uh, it's got some great stuff in there for you to, to take, read, give out to somebody. And, and, uh, and, and so I went through all of this and, and, and I posted online. I said, hey, I've got a ton of stuff I'm giving away. I've got a bunch of books I'm just giving away. And so people started texting me or messaging me. I want this book. I want this book. I want this book. And every one of them had the following question. I want this book. Let me know how much. Hey, I want this set of books. Let me know how much. Hey, I'm, I'm going to pay you for shipping, but let me know how much for the books. Everything was how much, how much, how much, how much. And y'all would have thought I was giving the moon away when I would respond and say, Oh, nothing, man. I got you. I'll send them out. I'll send it. If it's one book, hey, I can afford your shipping. I'll send it to you. I had one guy. He wanted 12 books. I said, buddy, you're paying for shipping. But it felt good just to give away. And I can only imagine, I mean, it was a book that you could get on Amazon and have it quicker than me mailing it to you and probably cheaper than they'll pay for shipping. But when I said, hey, you can have this for free. Said, what? Yes, it's amazing. It feels good when people give you stuff. Give it away. Let God multiply it. I believe in giving, church. I believe in sowing. I give it away when I have something even stolen from me. I, 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 Y'all know, we've, we've talked about it enough. I'm not going to get into a whole thing. But we've had work done around the church that we haven't quite got our money's worth for it. And we've had times where I've, in my heart, my flesh, my flesh said, hey, I, I know a lawyer that can help us get our money back. And, and we can take this guy to court and we can do this. But, but, you know, the Bible says we shouldn't do that. Shouldn't sue your brother. Shouldn't do all right, God, I'm putting it in your hands. I know there's been times that people have robbed you of blessings. People have robbed you uh, of just energy. Have robbed you, have taken advantage of you when you try to help them. But you know what I have learned from God? Is that when our motives are right and our motives are pure, God still blesses us. God takes care of the just and the unjust. And our church, since, since that time that we had that stuff that we were taking advantage of that day, and, it, and it, hurt, it hurt really, really bad. But you know God has blessed us even more than I could ever imagine than just finishing a project around the church. God has blessed this church. I talked about it last week. There's been times that I've helped people and received a slap in the face instead of a thank you. And it hurts. It hurts to be taken advantage of. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But in the end, God has still blessed me. I believe in giving. I'm going to tell you why I believe in giving to missions. I don't know what keeps you motivated, but I'm extremely honored to be able to talk about giving. And I know that I'm your pastor and I'm here today and, and I'm here every Sunday and I speak to you every Sunday on different things. But I'm honored that you would stay and listen. Because I told y'all last week that I was talking about giving this week. I went into Sailors the other night to get some food and Pastor Jamie said, Hey man, I'm praying you have a great Sunday. You're going to get lit up? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, you're going to get amens or are you going to get, oh boys. I said, I don't know, I'm talking about giving. You better pray for me. I don't know which way it's going to go. He goes, oh, you're going to get lit up and get oh boys. I said, I hope not. He goes, me too. We're going to pray right now that you get amens. I said, well, I believe it. And y'all still showed up, so I'm good. Thank you, Lord. I'm honored they came today, even though they know I was talking about giving. 
But I'll tell you, I'm the wrong person to talk about giving. Not because I don't believe in it, because I do believe in giving to missions. But over the last few years, I, I, I just, I, I'm transparent with you, and this isn't to boast in, boast in our family or anything. But over the last few years, our family has been blessed enough that we have not contributed less than $1,000 to missions each year. We believe in missions, not just globally, but locally too. But I am the wrong person to tell you about missions giving. You see, there's a person that you need to talk to who lives in Venezuela. Venezuela, which is a country that is in turmoil right now, that's in hunger, where the very basics of life are scarce. A man who is sleeping under a pile of rocks just to get safety. Or a young man below him who is digging through days old trash just to find something to eat who's not more than 12 or 13 years old. I'm the wrong person to talk to you about giving. Maybe it's a mother who lives in Mexico with two children where the drug war has thrown that country into chaos until violence is just normal. And she lives in fear for her children every day for what they may become if she can't find help. Or maybe it's a lady from some sub-Saharan African desert where she's in the minority if neither of her parents have died from AIDS yet. Or maybe she's in the Amazon basin and has rarely ever seen an outsider. Or maybe you're from a different country or the person's from a different country that's awaiting the next missionary in a move the mission vehicle. And they are looking for that person who is destined for hell, whose only eternal hope is that someone in somewhere with much more than they have will give to provide that missionary with a vehicle. And then let that person who has been recently baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, if you can get that person to stop worshiping long enough, let him or her tell you why missions giving is so important. Ask him if maybe if we've given enough or ask her if we've sacrificed like we should and like we could. That's who should be telling you today about missions giving. Or maybe the needed speaker that you need to hear today is a home missionary as a church planner from Washington, D.C. It's Pastor Jerry and Annie West and their children who have went to D.C. to start Freedom Church. They went there with absolutely nothing. They went to a place where a rent for a two-bedroom apartment is well over $2,500 a month. We're blessed where we're at. They went with a goal of raising $80,000 to launch their church. They're currently at $26,000. Why do they need $80,000? Well, they need $60,000 to help pay the mortgage throughout the year or rent. They need $10,000 to help with their outreach. They need $7,000 for sound equipment and instruments. And they need $3,000 just in case they have a relocation expense for their church. Freedom Church is who should be talking to you today from Washington, D.C. Or maybe it's somebody who's in Boston or Chicago or New York or another great one of our metro cities and they're making more money. Maybe it's somebody making more money than they've ever seen and yet their life is more bankrupt than they've ever dreamed. 
or maybe they're from a small town in Nebraska or South Carolina or Idaho or Oregon and they've never heard that their sins can be washed away and all they know is despair and hopelessness and if, if there were a new church in that little town, they would know of it and they would probably even try it. And this pastors that we can give a property grant to, we can give an offering to, they have a burden to start turning the light on every Sunday morning and find them after they take their trip down to the altar and come up out of the water and see them with an addiction that's been torn apart and a family that's put back together and then ask that person, why do you give to missions? But it's not just about those people or it's not those that's just been reached about a missionary arriving in a vehicle that we were able to purchase for them or, or an addict that's set free in a baptistry tank of a church that we helped to purchase, but it's about those that are still awaiting miracles. It's about a little girl named Natalie who will arrive at Tupelo Children's Mansion. Will arrive there next week that before 18 months old, she had a femur broken. She was shaken so terribly that the blood vessels in her eyes had exploded. And then her father, who was an abusive man, lifted her up and set her down with her feet into boiling water with burns that were so severe that she spent six months in a burn unit. That child is arriving next week. Maybe that's who should talk to us about giving. Or maybe it's a child right here in our city, in our community that's living without heat or without food. And unlike ordinary kids who, who during this time of the year, they hope for a snow day every night when they go to bed. They, turn their pajamas inside out backwards and they put ice in the back of the toilet and they say their prayers, God, give us a snow day. No, no, this student wants to be in school every day because, because as he stumbles through the snow in worn out sneakers and a ratty old sweatshirt and torn jeans, looking forward to the heat of a school bus that he'll feel and then the food that he'll get to eat when he gets to school, maybe that's the student or the child that should talk to you about why we give to missions. Or maybe it's a senior citizen or someone who is living and barely making it on a fixed income and relies on our food bank here at the lighthouse. A single mother with three children. A single dad with two little girls that need the use of our daycare so they can go try to find a job to provide for their family. Why missions giving? Why missions giving? Because another broken family is desperately hoping for a God called church, even though they don't even realize it. I can't answer what it would be for them, but that's for me. The answers to this question have DNA. They are covered in skin. They live, they breathe, they cry, they hope, and they hope that you will do your best. They hope that you will give your best. And they need a sacrifice to match their dilemma. Ladies and gentlemen, I would beg of you to please take what I am saying seriously today. And this week, focus on what God is calling you to give. What God is calling you to promise to pledge, to give. Uh, our, our General Secretary of the United Pentecostal Church, Scott Graham, pastored a church in St. Louis for many years. And, and he said, you know, there was not one millionaire in the house, but we were at the top of missions giving. 
We didn't have one person who could give $20,000, but our church sacrificed. We gave to missions in years that we weren't sure how the mortgage would be paid. When we were sweating bullets and developing ulcers about ending the year solvent with the taxes paid, we never considered not giving to missions. Some would give to the man, some would give to the method, but all should give to the mission. So I'm calling you today to sacrifice. Don't let these church planners down. Don't let these students down and missionaries and church planners, counselors or children that should have been here because they are counting on you and their situation demands your sacrifice. When we can look back into the Bible and we can look at the Judean sunrise, there was nothing that really appeared special about that morning. They would never have ever imagined of what was going to unfold. When Jesus left the other nine and he took the three of them up to the mountain, when Jesus took the three disciples with him, they couldn't have imagined the appointment that they had with the revelation of glory. And at the top of that mountain, the humanity of Jesus was pulled back and the majesty of his divinity was shown through. His face began to shine like the sun. His raiment shimmered with the dazzle of a million diamonds and they looked on the two storied figures of Old Testament fame, Elijah and Moses. And it was a spectacular and wonderful moment. And they said, Lord, let's just stay right here. It's good for us to be here. We'll build three structures for you right here. But Jesus told Peter, he said, no, not here. No, really though, we, we can do this. We're blue collar workers. We'll grab a hammer, we'll grab some nails, we'll get some lumber, we'll throw those things up as quick as you can, as you can count it and, and, and we will have one of you right in the middle and that's the right idea, Peter, but, but you're on the wrong mountain. See, I've got plans for another mountain just a few miles from here. And you're right, Peter, there'll be a hammer, there'll be some nails and there'll be some lumber there will be three structures and I will be in the middle. But you see, disciples, if, if the world is going to be changed, we have to descend from this mountain of glory and climb up the mountain of sacrifice. Ladies and gentlemen of Apostolic Lighthouse, don't settle for the wrong mountain. If this world is gonna be changed by what begins in this room, you have to be willing to descend from the mountain of your glory and begin to climb up the mountain of your sacrifice. Why missions giving? Because his sacrifice compels ours. Why missions giving? Because we can do no less than what he demonstrated. Why missions giving? Because the valleys of life are full of people whose eternity depends on the choices that you and I make about mountaintops. Let's stand together this morning. Some of you, God is already laying a, a, a number on your mind or on your heart of what you wanna give. And I appreciate that and I want you to pray about that this week. I want you to fast about that this week. I'm not here today to try to emotionally blackmail you into giving. No, I'm just here today to share with you my heart and what I feel our church is capable of doing. Church, we've been called to sacrifice. We are a blessed church. We are a blessed people. 
I believe that God is calling us to the mountain of sacrifice. And we will see revival in our spirits. We'll see revival in this church. We will see revival in this community. When we give globally, God will bless locally. Amen. God, I thank you today for your spirit. I thank you for your love today. And I thank you, God, for what you have laid on my heart to minister. And I pray that what I have spoken today was not not just from myself, but it's from what you have given me and what you have imparted to me to give. Lord, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a stingy giver. I don't want to be a reluctant giver, but God, I want to be a cheerful giver. I want to come down from the mountain of my glory and move up to the mountain of sacrifice. God, I want to live as a giver. I live to give. And God, I thank you for the opportunities that you've afforded us to give. I thank you for the jobs that you've given us, the unexpected uh, checks and the unexpected inheritances and the unexpected blessings. God, we know that it all comes from you and we return it to you. And I pray that you will minister to us this week. Speak to each and every person in this room and those that are watching by live, by live stream today. Speak to our hearts on what we need to give and what we want to give and what we are going to give. I thank you for this community that you've given us. I thank you for this wonderful family of ALC that you have blessed all of us to be a part of. We need each other and we need you. But more importantly, this community needs us. And so God, we open ourselves to you today to be a blessing to those that are hurting, to be healing to those that are hurting, to be salvation for those that are lost, to be the avenue for them to find what they are looking for. We open ourselves to you today. And I pray that your glory rests on all of us, not our glory, but your glory. We receive it today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank you for your love today, God. I thank you for your mercies today. Hallelujah.